Hey, it worked that time. Hey, everyone, welcome to the Space Game Junkie Podcast. I, as always, am your co-host, Brian, and joining me, as always, is your co-host, Jim. Hey. Hey, your co-host, Hunter. God damn it, my brain. Hunter. Hi, Hunter. Your co-host, Hunter. Uh, God damn it. Hello. How are you? <laughs> and your co-host, Spaz. Currently obscured by smoke. Yep, as are we all. Um, friends, we have a couple of guests today joining us from all the way across the country in New Jersey, uh, different parts of New Jersey. Uh, we have uh, Arthur Moyer and Paul Blessing, uh, lead coder, president, and then the designer, respectfully, of the game we're going to be talking about this evening, Rank Warmaster. Welcome, gentlemen. Thank you for having us. Yes, thank you for having me on. Oh no, th- thank you for coming on. We love talk. We love talking to developers. I mean, without you guys, we wouldn't have games to play. So we love, 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 love talking to developers. Uh, now, I'm going to be completely frank with you guys. You guys gave us a demo to play, and I had such a problem with it. I'm so the video that's looping. <laughs> I'm sorry about that. It just wasn't working very well. Um, so the yeah, video that's. <laughs> Sorry, uh, my wife is out of the apartment, so I have the phone on not silent. Um, anyway, uh, yeah, so I just had some trouble running it, so that's why the video looping in the background is a little rough. So I didn't get really the best feel of what the game is about, and I apologize for that. So I wanted to ask you guys, let's start from the very beginning. Uh, you meant you did mention some inspirations for this game, which I love, and let's talk. let's talk about how the game came to be and what it what you're shooting for with this thing. All right. I mean, I apologize for the early demo. It's a, it's very so early. early. It's fine. It's so early. I get it. Uh, we, we play, we, it's, it's, I'm not upset about, we get, well, we play with so many alphas and we, and we've certain, we've certainly had our hands on worse. Trust us. Oh my God. There was one game where it was just a space shuttle and you just flew it through a tunnel uh, from one planet to another. And that's all it was, it was called. It was called tunnel shuttle. <laughs> no, it's called channel. Uh, that, that that was such a. That was such, <laughs> anyway, so no, we we've definitely played worse. Don't worry about it, and we totally understand uh, early alpha, you know, gameplay stuff. Don't worry when you know. Not upset. I was just being honest about it. Um, no, no, you should you should be. I mean, it it requires. It's not. As much as I want it kind of ready for the public, I'm well aware it's not. Um, we, we, you know, I remember that one person in your Discord complaining about the audio hookup that wasn't mm-hmm. hooked up yet. But because mm-hmm. it was just a test mode, he was able to see the numbers change from zero to 10,000. And it was like, well, yeah, I guess the stuff that isn't hooked up yet shouldn't be available to the average person. And so the answer was, well, we just removed the numbers. He can't see what's actually doing. But it was kind of a um, a rude awakening about okay, we really got to lock this down since the public is seeing this. <laughs> yeah, but we're also trying to show that this is a very early alpha. This is not, right. you know, oh, we're about to go beta stage. That's the whole point. Yeah. We're trying to do crowdfunding. Um, but the answer to your your original question was yes. There's a lot of inspiration for this game. Um, I can give you the long answer or the short answer. It's up to you. <laughs> Give us the long one. We we want all we want to see how all the sausage is made. Give us the long one. 
Fair enough. Um, well, as you can probably know, I'm an older developer. Uh, obviously, not always in uh, gaming, but certainly I've been coding since I was 10. And I try you know, wow. to aid, you know, put my date on me, I guess. You know, I tried to do Pac Man on the Commodore 64. Damn. So I did it in character graphics. Wait, you know, wait, and, wait, uh, wait, wait, wait. You tried to make a Pac Man clone or actual Pac Man on the C64. That's at least, what, yes. 30 years ago? Roughly about thirty years, yes. roughly thirty-seven years ago. Wow, good on you, man! Yeah, you awesome. might want to, you might want to be low-key about that because it's not too late to get a cease and desist from them. <laughs> <laughs> right. If you well, watch that, uh, and I use my lab report notebook to map out individual <laughs> pixels, so I can make a sprite, and then I converted that to binary, so it could like actually have a Pac-Man sprite going across the screen. I mean, I never finished it, of course, but. You know, it's it was what the thing was back in the day, you know? So I've been a, a game player since those times. So my father brought back a console which was just combat. That's all it was, no cartridges or anything else like that. It was a dedicated just doing Oh combat. right. That was was that, was was that the precursor to the uh, Atari twenty six hundred? I think I think I don't know if they the same company. This actually had joysticks on it. I mean two twin joysticks on it for each tank so each one controlled the treads and i had this like cheesy oh, button wow. from fire. you know so we're talking about ancient stuff here but my father was into this stuff and since i was very young i got into it as you might well imagine um so you know i got i started programming on his commodore cbm which was the bigger brother of the commodore pet because he had the force business and back in those days you got books that actually had full-blown programs in it, in assembly. It was an assembly of machine language, where it would just be a loop saying, okay, here's all these numbers. We're just poking these into the memory positions. And so you had to type the whole thing in. And of course, you typoed something. And so the game would half run and die, and you had to go through every single byte to make sure you didn't typo something. Um, so I got used to typing in games and that kind of thing. Uh, so that's, that's kind of where my gaming prowess comes from, I guess, as far as you know, actually coding things go. But you remember Elite on the original Commodore 64? You know, that was I played, my first I, I, I played it on the PC my own self. I actually never had a C64. But yes, of Fair course. Uh, so, for me, that was my first space game, and to me, it was obviously very amazing to me. I love the space combat, and it, it let's face it, it was vector graphics is what it was back in the day. Uh, that's a lot. In the eight, it was an eight megahertz, one megahertz, eight bit chip to handle. You know, um, but you know, time marched on. Eventually, uh, the RTS games came out. It like Dune originally. I think it was Dune two actually, being the technical. Yeah. Uh, and both popularized by Command and Conquer, of course. Um, so that's where I got my you know, teeth on like you know RTS games, etc. And then of course you know things like Civilization came out and. Things of that nature. Uh, eventually, of course, Master Ryan came out, and then Master Ryan Two came out. Um, but it was kind of one of those. I was always, I was always a video game player. I've always loved all these different genres. Of course, I like FPS games. I would play, you know, Doom or Quake. I mean, I, I played Doom in the World Trade Center over IR ports because we didn't have Ethernet ports on the laptops back then. And so you'd actually have to move the laptop so both IR ports were kind of lined up. And so that's how we networked two machines together. Oh, my God. the IR port. I should tell you something. 
Wait, wait, um, what? <laughs> wait, you had to sit like facing each other with your laptops. So yes. the IR port. Wow, I did not know that you could play Doom over an IR port. That's yes. That's a <laughs> wow. Okay, <laughs> wow. All right, you're talking to a geek who, going out to a convention out in uh, Chicago, decided to network the minivan we were in so we could play land games on the way out there because it was like, <laughs> like a 14 hour drive or whatever. <laughs> really? This was like 15, 20. Yeah, we just get a little hub and we, you know, you know how you have those inverters you plug in the cigarette lighter port, if you know what I mean? So you have a little power strip. And so everybody who had a laptop, you know, we would take turns who was driving and who wasn't. And then we play whatever we're playing. I honestly think we're playing Massive Ryan now that I think about it. But yeah. <laughs> so that, that gives you like how you know what that, you know what that reminds me of? There was uh, a few years ago, there was a um this this group called Tech Syndicate who took uh a trip. I forget where they went, but they went and like hiked up a mountain and they took a uh battery powered wireless router with them. Um, and their laptops, and they had a land party at the top of a mountain. That sounds like something I would love to do. <laughs> <laughs> it was That's just something amazing. funny because it was just like they they spent all this time hiking up this mountain only to like you know pull their laptops out and play essentially Doom together. Yeah, yeah, I'll look through that. <laughs> yeah, well, I mean, these days you don't have land parties anymore. I mean, you know, people's broadband's quick enough. But I remember back in the day where people did bring their machines over and you have monitors opposite facing each other and you would pack them in as much as you could just so everybody was all on the same network. Um, but I digress. I'm, I'm, trust me, I'm horrible with tangents myself. Um, Don't worry about is, it. No, we love the, We love this stuff. We, we love reminiscing. <laughs> Go for it, man. <laughs> Arch was reminiscing. Well, I'm also an Amiga head, if you remember that machine. Oh, of course. So, uh, yeah, I, I got out of that oh, not that long ago. But, I mean, you're talking about 2004, 2005, I guess. Uh, yes, it survived that long. It's still around in one sense or another, but I'm not really involved with it anymore. Um, that actually comes up a little bit uh, later on in the story here. So, I played a lot of games over the years. Um, it's one of my personal vices. I'm not debating that. And so it was sort of like, okay, you know, you, you play space games, you know, like Wing Commander or, you know, you know not heavily dangerous, of course, but a lot of the things were mission-based. And I was like, well, I really love space games, and I want to fly around, but I'm tired that, okay, the mission, you know, the, the mission itself doesn't matter so much, meaning that it just gets you to the next part of the storyline, and you can't get to the next part of the storyline unless you do this exact mission the way they want you to do it. There's no consequences. If your wingman gets blown up, so what? He's in the storyline, so he mystically gets revived. Or you, you remember how those old games were? Oh as yeah. As you, you oh no, Alpha player. Four. Oh oh no, we lost Alpha Three. Oh, that's a okay. I'll just be another Alpha Three in the next. Yeah, it, doesn't, for- it doesn't matter. <laughs> Oh, yes, remember the X-Wing and the X-Wing versus TIE Fighter and all the rest oh, of those things. Exactly. Um, and so I went, well, wouldn't it be nice if, like, what you did actually mattered? Meaning that it had consequences. Uh, there was an old game, uh, if you remember uh, uh, MechWarrior, the original one? 
Uh, I've never heard of it. <laughs> Wait, which one? The original, like the top down, like the 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 first like DOS one, uh, the, the original Mech Warrior game. There's a 3D one. I mean, then there was like the Christmas Hulk Interception. I don't mean that one, although I love that one too. But this is more the first 3D where it was like solid. Yeah, graphic. like simple pop polygons and stuff. Yeah, I remember that yeah, one. Exactly. It was so easy to get a headshot on a Battlemaster because the head was right where the natural cursor always was, so you were able to pop it pretty easily and get the whole you know, <laughs> mech pretty easily. Um, so yes, I played that one too, obviously. But at least that game, the thing that I thought was so great about it was your skill mattered. Meaning, what you destroyed and didn't destroy gave you that much more salvage at the end of the mission. And so if you lost your teammates, or if you lost anything else like that, or you got banged up, I forget if you had teammates, to be honest, at this point. Um, it mattered. And so your skill mattered. Whereas, like, you know, with X-Wing or with, you know, Wing Commander, it didn't really matter. You just get into the next mission. Yeah. That's what was disappointing to me with... Uh, you know, Mech Warrior 2 and higher, where things became more and more scripted, so your salvage was scripted rather than your own skill. So, okay, well, wouldn't it be nice if you had a space game where where you shot mattered and how you took them out mattered, if you know what I mean. So if mm. you pop their cockpit, you got the rest of the salvage, whereas if you took out their engines, maybe you can capture them or something like that. You know, or if you had a fleet going in, you actually want your fleet to survive. You wouldn't just fight to the last man going, well, well, I'll just go for complete annihilation of my fleet. No, you don't want to lose that much, you know, materials and whatever and your people. So you'd actually say, no, 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 I'm getting like, you know, 20 or 30% losses. All right, everybody retreat or whatever you decide that your tactical idea is, that kind of thing. So this was back when, you know, open world games weren't really a thing as much. And so, the concept was, okay, well, how do you get around the problem of having mission-based? Okay, well, I've seen, you know, 4X games. That's just one giant long game. You know, think of Civilization, you know. So, well, how do you do that? Well, well, you have a city, and the city gets resources, and the city, you know, have research. You have a, a tech web in Civilization or Master Orion or things of that nature. Um, okay, well... Then if you have a fleet, it matters that your fleet gets blown up. Okay, so now you have something that makes missions for you. You make your own missions. Because you go, I want to go take out this fleet over here. I want to go take out this city over here because I like them for whatever reason. Okay, so you have to determine how many ships will actually work. You know, uh, How are you going to over overrun? Or if they come after you, do you have enough defenses? That kind of thing. I always liked it in Master Orion that your initial planetary defenses actually did defend you at least up oh, to yeah. like midpoint of the game yeah it's like when the Orion came and you didn't have you know if you had missiles you may have nuclear missiles enough to get rid of them because your fleet there was decimated but the missiles get them and it sounds like you played it so you know what i'm talking about with that yeah it's one of the few games where building planetary defenses actually freaking matters especially if you start early you know so yeah, yeah i love I mean, that, I love that about it yeah, that, that was very important to me. I really wanted, like, base defenses to matter. And, you know, I mean, yeah, they could blockade you and stuff like that, and that was annoyance, but I remember playing Master Ryan where you sit there and go, okay, darn it, my, my production is now halved or whatever it is, and I'll have to wait until my first ship gets out so I can knock them out of orbit, but I'll sit there and do it because I'm stubborn. 
and that's the way I played. Uh, I also like turtling when I play, so that's kind of how I always play those kind of games. Um, but the point was, like, okay, well, wouldn't it be neat if you could do that? Well, I have seen, I think there was like a um, UFO interceptor or what it was from the old XCOM games. Oh, there, they God. Had yes. Yes. You know, XCOM game. Now, I don't know if they actually did city building in that. I don't really think they did. I think you just researched things. You but could, I felt like, you, okay, well, you could improve your base in XCOM Interceptor, but that was the that was the extent of it, I believe. Yeah, I think you're right. Um, yeah, it was a long time ago, obviously. But that was the initial idea. It was like, okay, well, if you kind of add all these little 4X things into a space simulator, you have a situation where it's like, okay, well, you can build your fleet. You can build... You know, you can start making special changes to your ships and, of course, your, your cities and such. And you make your own missions. So now, now it's no longer you know, scripted, annoying, you know, oh, I have to do this mission or else I can't proceed in the game. You know, now what you do matters. Um, that's also kind of where the damage system in Rank War Master came from. I'm not sure if you saw that from the videos or the demos. Um, where you hit it, completely matters um, because instead of just doing like a left or right or top or dial and kind of hit points level, every single triangle on the ship has its own armor value, including shielding. So it actually lets you, there's a, on the video demo, I'm not sure you saw it. Um, you can actually blow through a ship, you know, get through the shielding, go through the one armor side, go through the internal items, go out the other side of the armor, out through the other side of the shielding and then still hit another ship. And actually knows what you hit along the way. And I'm, I'm not sure if you saw that little video demo where it shows the progression through the ship when it is standing still, obviously. But I apologize, yeah. I did not. Uh, I, I yeah, there's a little one-minute teaser trailer that shows that. It's actually, you know, there might be more lightning. It'd be great if you actually loop that, <laughs> you know. Um, yeah, I, I, I apologize. <laughs> I looked for a video and I couldn't find one, so I I, I should have just asked. I apologize. Really? Um, All right. I, I greatly apologize for that. Uh, yeah, it's one. We actually have a YouTube channel. We actually have um, every two weeks. We actually show the sort of behind the scenes multiplayer tests because we have the multiplayer running. And so at this point, I'm kind of proud that the multiplayer and the single player is in parity now. So all the things you can do in single player, you can do multiplayer. So you're building cities, and you know, you're doing research, or customizing your ships, or producing fleets. Um, we made something rather evil this last time with the auto builder just they had 20 guns on it and we we're flying that around shooting things and meanwhile we're getting hit by gnats which were the smaller ships that the MEI was producing but back to the origins i guess um the problem is when you're talking about a space combat game one of the inherent problems is of course is realistically you are only usually facing one or two other ships or if you're facing more than that, you're so overpowered, not that the player necessarily realizes that compared to the other ships, so they could take on more. But even then, there's a certain limit you can go to. So even the scripted game, and I can understand that's why they had to do it. So it's like, okay, if you have a script, you go from one area, you fight three ships. Okay, great. Now you're healed, and you go to another area, you fight three more ships. And you go to another area, you fight three more ships, because that's the way the script said to do it. Because a player... You know, if you do 10 to 1, he's going to die. And which means you're not going to get past the mission. 
And that's, you know, it's, therefore, it's not fun. They go, well, I'm going to rage quit because I can keep getting my butt blown off. How do I expect to you know, go against 10 to 1? Well, if you have a fleet with you, it's not 10 to 1. Because then it's 10 on 10. But that doesn't mean that you're not one of the ones that are going to die early. So in Rank Warmaster, you can actually instantaneously switch to one of your other ships just with the press of a button. Oh, nice. So one of the things we had relatively recently was, you know, like I said, if you, if you look at the multiplayer, demos, we, we actually demonstrated all of this. Um, so as the ships come out, we go, oh, I'm, I'm, my ship's blown up. They, they blew out my engines. I'm just sort of drifting here now. Okay, new, new ship came out. I'm going to instantly pop into it, and you start running around. When we did um, multiplayer fleet battles, everybody would come in with, like, a squadron of five ships. So everybody would have their own personal set of ships. And we all would go at it, and of course we all get ripped apart. And as soon as we died, we'd hit another button that would basically teleport us to uh, one of our healthy, friendly ships, so we keep on playing. So now you actually have a real, you can do real, like, 50, 100 ship space battle without wondering, it's like, okay, I died because it's going to happen, but I'm not out of the action. I can hit a button, and then right back, I'm instantly back in the action, I'm flying around, I'm just taking over one of the AI ships that's on my side. And the beauty of all that is, is that it keeps the, the, the energy of the game going, if you know what I mean. Yeah, but yeah. at a certain point, there's also the issue of, well, how do you really control a fleet? You know, you can say, okay, everybody attack my target, and that's kind of typical of a space combat game. But then it's like, why well, play a lot of RTSs? I was like, well, why not do a navigation screen, which is what we call it, which is basically an RTS interface. That's a lot easier to build, you know, obviously build your build, your, your base and the buildings within it, you know, just a point and click kind of thing. Everybody's done that. And you grab all your ships and then here's my fleet. And I want you to go over there and kill these guys over here. You know, point and click. Yeah, that's what RTSs are. So now... That's kind of how it turned into the monstrosity that it is. <laughs> but all that works. Um, and so, you know, yeah, you start out, and I realized the tutorial, uh, I hope that would have helped you more, but we'll, like I said, it needs a lot more polish than it is. But the nav screen runs. Uh, my friend Jordan, who joins us for the multiplayer test, he spends the entire game sitting in the nav screen, in the RTS screen, as if it's an RTS game, because he sits there and goes, yeah, he has a ship that he could pilot, and he can order it to go kill something, so the AI takes over while he's in the RTS screen. But he'll sit there and go, okay, I'll tell the builder bot, build this building over here, he'll go to the research screen, queue up some research, go to the factory screen and queue up some uh, you know, ships that were just designed, that kind of thing. And he's perfectly happy sitting there. And so my other friends, including Paul and my other friend Brian, otherwise known as Ogre, we sit there and we'll clean up the gnats because the enemy base is producing all these very small ships. And so we got to keep the population down or we will be overrun, if you know what I mean. Um, so that's the early part of what the game is, sort of like the core of... Okay, the city works, the researching works, the ordering works, all the rest of that stuff works. We're adding in, you know, repairing, salvaging, uh, trying to get more 4XE where you have random events, um, expanding across Mars. You're not just fighting one enemy, you'll be fighting the entire planet. Eventually, you'll, you'll go further than that, of course. 
And so the game is slowly expanding as you would expect you know, alpha development to work. Um, so that's actually the direction. So I realize it's a very, very long answer, but... No, that's great. <laughs> so half uh, the time people are in the ships and they get their, their, their guns blown out or their engines blown out or their reactor blown out and so then it's stuck. It's like, well, do we have an extra ship that gun into? Yeah, that kind of thing. Yeah, not a lot of not a lot of games let you do that. I can think of two off the top of my head that let you jump from one ship to another like that. Um, nineteen forty two Pacific Air War, and I think Void Destroyer. I think are the only two oh, I can think of. Executive Assault. Oh God! Executive right, Assault Two lets you do that. Yeah, That's since right. that is very much an RTS. So FPS, three. So uh, three. Yeah. So three. <laughs> No, not a lot of games that you do that yeah. sort of thing. So that's awesome because, you know, we love that sort of thing. Uh, you know, there's another classic game that the ga- that Rank Warmaster reminds me of as you describe it. Uh, did you ever play Uprising? I don't think so. Maybe I know it, but uh, could you describe it a little bit more for me? It's, it's a tank. It's, it's kind of like Battlezone where you're in a tank and... Yeah, yeah, it's it's a little different though. You're not you're building buildings on specific points in the ground, and you're uh, beaming in and out uh, infantry and tanks and whatnot to deal with specific threats. Uh, but you are you're, it's kind it's again a mix of first person like shooting and RTS that you and, and like you don't you have like goals, but like the way you go about them is you know you're doing it on your own. You're not like it's not a puzzle like a Tie Fighter mission or a or an X Wing mission. It's like here's a map, take out the enemy, have fun. <laughs> so that's kind of what your game is kind of sounding like. Kind of more a sand, little more sandboxy, uh, a little more emergent rather than more of a scripted experience. Um, it it, it is right this second. Um, I ha- excuse me, I have another friend of mine, Jordan, who's running more of the storyline of the game. So, for example, um, if you played the flight tutorial, uh, Ares now has kind of a personality. Originally, he was just saying, oh, hey, do this, do that, whatever. Now there's a backstory with him. Now he's got a little more of a personality. And the idea, as far as the whole backstory of the game goes, is obviously this takes place in the future. Uh, Fashion light travel is kind of just becoming emergent. The legitimate government's do you, do you want to hear the storyline, actually, before I go into yeah, the whole thing? go for it. Go for it, yeah. So, the idea was, was that, hey, um, we want to go to Alpha Centauri. So, the legitimate governments get an expedition together, and they take the long way to get to Alpha Centauri. And the idea is they'll build a jump gate once they get there, and so that they'll set up a local jump gate at Earth, and they'll be able to transport back and forth pretty quickly. Well, in the meantime, while it took them all those years to get out to Alpha Centauri, um, the Earth's governments kind of ran out of money. The megacorps who, you know, had, you know, built their military might and stuff like that, um, they went, well, yeah, we don't have enough to pay you anymore. So they went, well, we're the governments. We can just use the military that we have and just uh, take the corporations. The corporations went, "Uh, no, we built your military hardware we left back doors in so there ended up being this uh kind of infighting for lack of a better term there was a defense grid around planet earth and as a last-ditch effort um they turned half of the 
uh, the satellites inward. So things was firing out and was firing down on the cities. And that's kind of the stalemate was left at. So Earth is now cut off. Um, so if anything approaches and it starts to fire, it, other satellites fire and they fire on Earth itself. So that's, that becomes its own problem. So you and the other quote-unquote AIs that are out there, you're not an AI, you're in a bunker somewhere, are caught off-planet. Um, different places of, of, of the solar system because of court problems, no going to say, well, who had the rights to what? So Ares, the AI, comes like, oh, hey, I'm, I'm here now. Um, I'm only being activated when you know, an emergency happens and we're cut off from Earth. So now I have a new objective for you, you know, uh, uh, aggressive territory acquisition. Um, I have the actual quote somewhere else. But that's also what's happening with everybody else, too. They have you know, similar AIs that are trying to convince people, hey, you, you should start taking territory for the company. Um, so in any case, the storyline is, and you'll, you'll recognize part of the storyline, as you progress through like conquering Mars and the ideas eventually go back to the moon and see what actually happened and then go out to Jupiter's moons and other people would establish themselves out there and then it's just Saturn's moons and then eventually out to Pluto. Now, while this is happening, the people will refer to as the Alpha Centaurans built their jump gate and they were wondering why they haven't heard anything from Earth. And so they tried to establish a connection and it wouldn't connect because there wasn't a jump gate locally. And so they try to modify their gate to send more and more mass through. Eventually, you know, they send a couple like little satellites through to see what they can find, that kind of thing. Eventually, they figure out what's going on. From their perspective, they are the legitimate government, because that's all, all that's left that's outside of Earth. They were sent by the legitimate governments. So they think that you know, they have all the technology, they didn't lose any of it. They should be in charge. So they try to convince other people that, well, we're here now, you should listen to us. And of course, everybody is building their own mini empires, and everyone's going to know. But since they have the better tech, they're able to send like a smaller ship through, etc. Sound familiar? Um, and eventually, when you go through the main game campaign, you get out to Pluto, find that they have most of a, of a jump gate already built, and they have a base established there. The idea is that by that point, you should have enough technology in the fleet to take out their Pluto base, complete the jump gate, and then go out with Alpha Centauri. And take them out, and that ends that round of the game. You know what I mean? So that's the entire idea of it. Now there's a whole bunch of little mini quests and you know small events that will eventually occur. We don't have them written yet, but we do have a scripting engine that handles all that kind of thing. Um, which I guess gets into the modding of the game. Um, oh, because yeah. we, lo we love modding. T talk about modding, oh, yeah. absolutely. And you'll, and you'll love this. Basically, the game. The ships you design are not set in any way, shape, or form. Um, if you've got a mesh, you can throw it into the game, is basically how it thinks of it. Um, obviously, if you do something too complicated, you'll bring the engine to its knees, but I mean, you know, a decent amount of polish, you should be okay. So, if you want to do a full conversion to any of your favorite sci-fi flicks, go ahead. There's a uh, what's called TechWeb, which is a database, which simply says, okay, this weapon is this big, does so much damage, takes this much energy, as you would expect with any of this stuff. The building's stats are in there too, which means if you want to change all that out, you can. And like I said, um, in the video, you can, see, you can place any type of engines, any type of shielding, any type of, you know, if you want to put a capture weapon on the fire, go ahead. 
got to make sure it fits. Yeah, that kind of thing. Or vice versa. And that's why I was saying that the auto builder had put 20 guns on the ship that I had built, and there was only 300 spaces big. I went, oh, this is really nice. And made it interesting. And you also select where the guns are firing from. So you have beam weapons, you have pulse weapons, you have missile weapons. Uh, we're going to put in cones eventually, <laughs> which is kind of like a shotgun. Um, um, gun, 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 gun stars win. <laughs> yeah, gun star. You know, honestly, um, if you spin around enough, but uh, and and the missiles track kind of annoyingly well because then you have the situation where I mentioned about blowing through things. So if a missile hits something and it doesn't expend all its damage, it will go throughout the other side and then kind of retract to another target. Um, we have to decide if that's a good idea or a bad idea. It was kind of amusing. Um, I, just for a test run, I fired this one missile that had a lot of damage, and I had th- four stationary targets. It literally went, and they weren't all in a row. So it went through one, blew it up, hit the next one, blew it up, circled back around, and hit the others, and blew them up. <laughs> and again, I'll awesome. keep it that way. And it's one of those things. But that's what I mean. You come up with these crazy ways that things kind of go, you know, go wacky you don't exactly expect. That's kind of the fun. So I didn't expect this ship to come out with 20 guns, all just going firing forward and then just like tearing through everything. It's like, wow, this is really great. Actually, I like this. So yes, we're still working on game balance and things of that nature. But if you want to, you know, the Nats, as I mentioned before, as was referred to them, don't really have any armor, so they're kind of soft and squishy. But the buildings aren't soft and squishy, but 20 guns made quick work of the buildings. So, yeah, I mean, it's like I said, it's still very early, but as far as modding goes, you can make your own campaign. It's just the same way we're doing it. Um, you can bring in your own meshes, meaning you fly your own ships. As, as a as a lark, we wanted to bring in someone's head and then like <laughs> purposely put in someone's eyes and his teeth because you can just do that in a ship builder, just in the main <laughs> game. And you know we're different. So you're flying around with someone's face and it's shooting beams out of his eyes and pulses okay. out of his mouth. You know? That's great. What engine are you yeah. guys running this on? What's the engine? It's custom. We built it ourselves. Oh, oh wow. Okay, that explains That's how you can why. do all this stuff. <laughs> yes. So the networking code's very nice and solid these days, which I'm very proud about. Um, the load save works both in multiplayer and in single player. Um, the scripting engine works. The um, obviously uh, one of the things I, I kind of want to bring up. I tried this before back in 2004, 2005, and I built it even before then. And especially at that time, a lot of the publishing points of view was like, well, let's just stick to a genre. Don't try to do what you're doing. And you imagine how that one went. Um, but I originally had tried to build this for the Amiga way back in the day to give you an idea of where this was coming from. I think I mentioned that earlier, which means internally it still thinks it's running on an Amiga. I had literally ported it to Windows. Wait, what? So, yes. So okay, that's, astou- yeah. that's astounding. <laughs> yeah. So literally, I have literally a few C files that I would just convert from like you know memory access input output. So it's using DirectX, but can use anything else I want to do. It's multi-threaded at this point, and multi because I'm using. I'm not sure even how. I don't know how much about the, about programming and object-oriented programming versus data-oriented programming. Nope. Um, <laughs> not me. Well, let me kind of break it down to you, you. You probably have heard this with other games, and while they're having a lot of problems with multiprocessors, 
kind of like usually with games, um, it's single-threaded speed matters more than anything else, usually. Because object-oriented programming, which has been the big thing for the last 20 years, does not multi-thread very well. Meaning you have all these extra processors because they've kind of hit Moore's law limit on a single processor to a certain degree. So their answer is, well, we throw more cores. I mean, that's why everybody has a quad core or an oct core or whatever they have these days. And your phones have multiple cores on it these days. The problem is that most games don't really take advantage of those cores because it's difficult with object-oriented programming. The, the, the concept of something within something within something within something doesn't allow it to be split apart very well. So you can't just take a chunk and easily throw it to another core to the process. The way I developed this, because I didn't know any better, was now what's becoming the new rage is data-oriented program where all data is accessible. So you can just say, hey, I want you to process this over here and get back to me when you're done. And you have that when you're talking about streaming encoders and things of that nature, for example. So the game runs like that. And so when I loaded all the graphics, as an example, it used to take about 70 seconds to load into the game on a single thread. And then I multi-threaded all the uh, the, the uh, picture loading. And now it takes 12 seconds. Hmm. So you can get into the game in 12 seconds rather than winning 70. Now, I'll be the first one to admit that not all the pictures are technically loaded, but you're in the game. It takes technically a full 26 seconds for every picture to be fully decoded, but there's a placeholder there. So it's just black. So as you're sitting there, they just sort of pop in, you know. So I'm going to make it an option whether a person wants to actually wait the 20 seconds or they want to wait the 12 seconds. That's up to them. Um, so the, 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 the blinking at the beginning of the game doesn't bother them. And there you go. All of this is black, meaning the textures just aren't there. And they just mystically pop in as they're finally decoded by the other threads. I moved over like the uh, the uh, terrain engine for the planets. Obviously, you, you have built cities, you're building on planets. Um, I moved that over to another thread in two days. Because mm. then, you know, the way this internal structure is set up, it's, it wasn't a problem. And like I said, it's still alpha. There's a lot of optimizations I need to do. I want to do more optimizations on the weapons firing code and the movement code so that I can handle more ships at the same time. But we've already have a few hundred ships running around in multiplayer without a problem. Um, I know that it's going to be a problem eventually, but we haven't hit that yet. Um, so, yeah, I can get into a lot of the whole build of the engine and stuff like that, but that's the whole point. I was faced with a... When I restarted this in uh, October 2017, um, I've at this point, I've self-funded the development. Um, I've kind of hit the limits of that to a certain point. But it came down to, I had a choice. I mean, when this was originally done, there were no engines. There was like the Tribes engine, if you remember that way back in the day. I think it was called oh, the Quarks yeah. engine. Oh, yeah. yeah. I remember there were people making games on that thing. Absolutely. Yeah. And, but I didn't have, I think they charged like $100,000 or something like that to write something. Holy. Or, Whoa. You remember how that worked. Because that was back in the day. You know, it's like engines were uh, a big thing. If you were a company, you paid for the true. engine. That's what you paid for. Nowadays, everything's free. You have Godot, you have Unreal, you have Unity, you have probably 20 others I don't even know the names of. But they all have their own quirks, for lack of a better term. 
Um, and, you know, it's fine for an indie developer. But then, you know, now, I could be wrong, and I hope I am, to be completely honest. It takes me about one to two minutes to compile fresh. And if I'm just doing a code change, it takes maybe 30 seconds or less, 15 maybe, depending on what I'm doing, to do a compile. I've heard that these other engines take an hour and a half to compile. I'm going, how do you alliterate on that? How, how do you actually make changes and actually have those changes stick if it takes an hour and a half to see what you did? And sort of, I just didn't understand that. But I mean, but there's another thing I went to, um, and it wasn't PAX, it was uh, MAGFest, actually, uh, down in, around D.C., Baltimore, around there. This was in D.C., I think. Um, and there was a panel there about indie developers saying, yeah, hey, if you're going to use one of these engines, make sure you don't use a you know an add-on because the engine is constantly being updated. And if the add-on isn't is no longer compatible with the newer version of the, of the main engine, you're... SOL because now your game no longer works and can't. You know, so you either have to re-implement that plugin, which is that much more time, or your your project's dead in the water. So there's all these reasons going, okay, well, I already have an engine, and yes, it's antiquated as hell, but it's mine. If something goes wrong, I should be able to fix it. Because I wrote it. You know what I mean? Yeah. Whether or not that was Good answer or a bad answer, I don't know. Um, <laughs> but the answer I took at the time, and it's so far it's worked for me. But I was at this point, there's virtually nothing left of, of the original engine. And I remember back in the day, it was OpenGL one two. They didn't have shaders back then. Now everything is shaders. So I had to gut all that out of the system. Back in the day, you they had what was called display list, where all you had to do was have an ID code and the video system would just create that object. Well, they removed that when the shaders happened. So I had to re-implement that. So the entire game runs on an internal display list, um, which has let, let me now do a bunch of other shaders and make some interesting effects out of it. The big issue that I th- I'm more annoyed with is that I've been concentrating more functionality than pretty, if you know what I mean. And so mm-hmm. the first impressions are always that, oh, well, this doesn't look like Unreal, it doesn't look like Unity. Well, if you think about a lot of games look like Unreal and look like Unity, because in a, se- in a sense, it's their same thing. I'm not saying they're gorgeous and beautiful, but they sort of have the same flavoring, if that's if you know what I mean. Um, not necessarily that's a bad thing, but sort of like, well, this is what I did on a shoestring budget. Imagine what I can do with a real budget, if you know what I mean. Oh, yeah. And it's not that the edge can't do these other shaders. It's just a matter of I don't, I don't have a shader coder, so I do what I can with what I have. Um, I made sure that we put some impressive shaders in it in different places to show that, no, the engine can do it. We just don't have the assets. You know, that kind of thing. So, even like when you talk about modders, they can probably put in their own shaders, they can put in their own, uh, you know, like I said, their own uh, campaigns, they can put in their own technology, they can put in their own meshes. So, you can do a full conversion. It's like, you don't play the Rank War Master campaign? Go ahead. Do Battlestar Galactica, do Star Wars, do you know, you know, Cowboy Bebop or any other oh, space wow. thing you want to do, you know? Because all you got to do is, if you have the meshes, you put you type in the data into the database because you say, okay, well, you have a gun here, should have this range of speed, that kind of thing. I want the gun, the pulse, to look like this. And you have the mesh for that. 
And there you go. It's a full conversion. It's not that hard to do. So in the end, I, I figured out along the way that as much as I was building the game, I was building an engine. And to make the engine usable, I guess, to, to make development easier, it became more isolated. So I built the game on top of the engine, but I'm still building the engine at the same time. That makes sense. But the engine is so flexible, it doesn't have to be for this game, is the idea for it. Oh. You know, I mean... So, for example, there's no loading screens. I mean, there's no zones. That was, that was also one of the big things why I didn't go with Unity or Unreal. Yeah, they look gorgeous within the zone that they're in. And you, you know how maps are. You get to the edge of the map, and you can see past the map, and that's kind of where you are. Uh, even in that uh, trailer demo that I mentioned before, it shows literally going from the, from the in the nav screen all the way out to the outside of the solar system, zooming all the way into the top of Mars where there's a building. And it's like one continuous stream into it. There's no loading. There's no pausing. You just go right on in, and there you are. And so you can zoom all the way out to another planet and all the way back into somewhere else, etc. And it's just instantaneous. There's no, oh, I got to pause and load or whatever. When you come in from high orbit to low orbit or vice versa, same thing. There's no, oh, I have to reload everything. You know, it's, it's meant for that kind of transition. Um, and so because I have control of the whole engine, it's easy for me to implement those kinds of uh, things in the system. Um, and again, if, if there's problems, then I can address it because I know how the system is put together. Well, now, there's like different... Oh, go ahead. Sorry, go ahead. No, no, I was just wondering... No, that's fine. Uh, since you're making your own engine, do you have any, like... In, insight into what like the base system requirements for running the game might be? It's pretty low. Um, it, I mean, it depends on where you, you draw the line. To give an idea, when we went down to MAGFest to sort of demo this, uh, one of my artists, who was the third person that couldn't make it tonight, um, she had a Surface Pro 2. I think it was an i5 or something like that. And you know how old are the of a laptop that is, if you think about it. And it ran on that. It was 15 to 20 frames a second, but it ran on it. And she was running around and blowing up turrets and things of that nature with it. And I was beside myself going, this is actually running, and it's actually playable, to a certain degree playable. Um, you know, if you're sitting there and saying, well, I have to have 120 frames a second or else I can't run it, then, yeah, you're going to need a higher spec system, but you'd expect that. Um, but minimum spec is basically, uh, I, I've seen it run eight gigs kind of makes me twitchy, but 12 gigs should run it. Hmm. Um, you don't, I've, I have a surface book two, for example, and that's a 1060 card in there. And I can run it in full res on, on the screen without a problem and the solid 60 frames a second without an issue. And that's, um, was it 3200 by 2160? Because it does that weird Microsoft like 3 by 4, 3 by 2 huh. thing versus the 16 by 9. So it's not true 4K, but it's sort of like you took 4K and chopped the sides off a little bit and said, okay, this is still 4K ish. You know? But it runs fine on that. Now, admittedly, like I said, wow. it has an NVIDIA in there, uh, 1060 in it, but I ran it fine on a Surface Pro 4, and that was an i7 in that. And so it was running an Intel, uh, and that ran okay. Uh, I think it was around 30 to 40 frames a second on that. It's like anything else. You lower the frame, the resolution, you know, you, 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 you know, you speed up the frame rate. What else is now? Um, 
it really doesn't like it when you go below 1080p, but we'll do it. Um, so the specs on it isn't all that high, at least not yet. Um, I mean, if we get a lot of money, we turn into looking something like some of the $300 million games that are out there. Um, then that's different, and then you, you have to go that direction. But, I mean, right now, it doesn't require that much horsepower underneath yet. Um, I don't suspect it will. I think it might get kind of crawly once you get a few thousand ships going at it, um, or you get a lot of players going at it. We've had, like, ten or so players running. Um, that's That got a little twitchy, but I think that was the code base at the time. It's not the network. The network is pretty efficient. Uh, I've run it for a half hour, and it only pushed like 20 megabytes of data. So it's not, you know, a modern-day broadband that shouldn't be an issue. So I suspect that a lot of the stuff will come up when uh, you have a lot of uh, ships and weapon fire and stuff like that, and that's when I'm going to start pushing it off to the other processors, if you know what I mean. And I know that's going to happen eventually when it's beta, but right now it, it doesn't seem like it really requires that much based on past experience. And and you are about to launch a um, a uh, crowdfunding campaign for this thing. You were set, you did yes, mention that. Yes, we are. Yes, uh, that's very important. Yeah, where is that going to be? That's going to be on Indiegogo, and it's actually going to be up in two days. Uh, it starts, the launch officially starts on the 17th. I don't know what time on the 17th, but I know it's starting on the 17th. Um, and so we've been preparing for that for a while, as you might expect. Um, there is a demo, as, as you well know, uh, that's on Game Jolt. The big thing native on that one is it's really on the space combat part. It purposely doesn't have the builder bot accessible. So, like, two-thirds of the game is really not there because you're not building cities. You don't have an enemy who's building cities and sending all these ships after you and stuff like that. Um, there's no doubt that the RTS screen needs a lot more loving than it currently has um that's in process um so the feel of the game as you mentioned the space combat should be okay and i'm sorry that uh you were having problems with that did you actually run the flight tutorial was that having a problem or what happened with that hello brian brian oh brian? sorry God, stupid pedal. I was holding down the pedal, but something else must have taken focus from the thing. And so, <laughs> so stupid. Um, no, I uh, the flight tutorial was fine. Uh, it's It was the main game tutorial where it started getting a bit squiffy. Oh, no. Main game tutorial is trash. No, no, no. Oh, no. that's... Sorry. Okay. Well, at least oh, right, that explains gosh. that. <laughs> no, no, no. The main game... Oh, my God. No, I... Another friend of mine, Chris, who does the music and does the sound effects and stuff like that, he's running the main tutorial. He wrote it way back when, and we all admit uh, that. And I'm we sorry. Went, okay. <laughs> oh, you're right. Uh, the main tutorial is complete garbage, and we're actually working on that right now, but it's not ready. At the time he wrote it, the nav screen, the shipbuilder, and all the rest of that weren't even working. And so he just put in what he could, and we just kind of made kind of like a garbage pass at it. But when we did the flight tutorial, I mean, if you notice in the flight tutorial, it's a lot cleaner. It's not 100% where I'd like to be, but it's a lot cleaner. Yeah, I'm sorry. I should have captured video of that. I didn't really know that there was a difference between them. 
I'm like, oh, main main game tutorial. This is what. Sorry, I was like, oh, main game tutorial. This is what I should probably capture because it says main or whatever. As I didn't know it was. No, no the flight tutorial was actually something you should have captured. Ah, uh, I feel bad now. No, the flight tutorial <laughs> is. Yeah, that would explain all of the stuff in the game. You would have blown up buildings. You'd have lots of different little combats and stuff like that. Errors would have been talking to you the entire time. Um, yeah. So that's another thing. It's like, okay, don't give it out and turn off the stupid main tutorial because the main tutorial sucks because it, it isn't built correctly. So I'm. this is unfortunately a rude awakening on my part because... I remember when it was first released on your Discord, and like that was mentioned earlier tonight, someone was complaining about the audio slider. And it's like, well, to us, it wasn't a problem. Hey, okay, it's not hooked up, big deal. But obviously, it is a big deal. So, yeah, the yeah I, I, I took okay, I, the main tutorial because it's trash. I, you know? I, took, I took a look at the audio slider tonight, and uh, oh boy. You know, don't feel bad. I, um, for this. I, I, I try and review a game a week on the YouTube channel. And yeah. um, once a game hits 1.0, and there's this game that hit 1.0, I won't mention the name, but huh. it it's clear that it was made by one person and they did no play testing at all oh. because it's got on-foot stuff and it's got spaceship stuff, okay? okay? So you're running around the on-foot stuff, and it's fine. You move the mouse up, you know... Uh, and you look up, that's how it should work. But you get in the spaceship and it's like, oh, all of a sudden it wants to be like a plane where you pull back on the mouse and you go up and you push forward on the mouse and you go down, which for me is not intuitive, you know? Right. It's the opposite of how it should be. So there's an option in the game to invert the Y-axis. Sure. It does it for both on-ground and in-space stuff. So like, oh, the the in-space stuff is now great, but you go back on the ground, it's like, oh, God. So you know what? Don't feel bad. <laughs> you know, other than the made by one person thing, it was kind of sounding like Star Citizen for a minute there. Uh, <laughs> you know what? If if the guy gets his act together and fixes the stuff that I had problems with, it'll actually be a decent game. But right now, what do you oh mean? god, Chris Roberts. Oh god, that's different guy. That's not Chris Roberts because this uh, guy actually. Because okay, we've been waiting on Chris to get his shit together for no, years. No, Chris Robert. Chris Roberts. Uh, this guy actually took constructive criticism well. And and actually said, oh, yeah, I'll fix the problems rather than kick the can down the road. Oh, it's very stable for an early alpha. It's been eight freaking years, you bastard. Sorry, that's tangent. Right. <laughs> we, no, I get it. I get it. We, uh, I mean, I'm willing to admit that if Star Citizen ever came out in 1.0, I realized that everybody would go in that direction. But I even sat there and thought about it. It's like, okay, even Star Citizen came out. They still aren't doing fleets the same way. They still aren't doing nope. any type of RTS. They're still not doing the research the kind of way. No, so even though it's a nice game, it still isn't one I'm building. No, then if the 90s showed us anything, it showed us that there is room for different types of games within the same genre, especially space games. And And right now, there aren't a ton of space games that let you fly around a ship in first person and shoot stuff. A lot of the space games coming out are top down, you know, or th- or third person, which I mean, which is which, which is fine, you know. I, I'm not complaining. I'm just saying there is definitely room for what you're building, you know. There's well, definitely, yeah. No, I, I personally, I think so, and uh, I, I'm sure a lot of people on our Discord would agree. 
So, and in the community, because we get the diehards. <laughs> That's the thing about being a niche, a small niche like this. We get the diehards. We get the people who are really in to what... <laughs> <laughs> sometimes sometimes they're a little too in. A little too in. You know, that's you know, that's what you get when you're doing a very uh, a very shallow niche is sometimes people are a little too into it and you've had to, you know, ban people for being way too into Yeah, like, it's like a niche you have to scratch. Uh, but there was oh, that yes. one guy who was like because you didn't run the space ring, uh, uh, the space engineer server the way he wanted. Oh, <laughs> yeah, that guy? we, we, yeah, we. Woo. I think, I think we've had, I think we've had, um, I mean, we've had a few people that we've had to whatever, but I think we've had three people that left because they got a little too serious about it. Uh, yeah, seven, one person- 75% of our bannings have been space engineers related. <laughs> uh uh no no there was it's funny because like the whole space engineers thing was like an experiment in like how to go crazy and they um and they did well the the problem with it was it was like every it was like it was like too many chiefs in the kitchen right so it was kind of like uh everybody had an idea of like how it should be run how many mods what mods no well we're not going to play with those mods um and it was just like, you know, and if and if the server, God forbid, went down in the middle of the night because it was being run on some third party hosting that I had very little control over, it was just like, you know, wake wake the guy up at like three o'clock in the morning with like a thousand pings of, you know, destiny where just, you know, it, it got it got bad. Um so there was there was one guy that we had to let go over that. There was another guy we had to let go over like the the fact that we weren't as on board with vr as he was um which you know those yeah it, it just you know pe- people kind of can lose their i mean it's the internet people can kind of you know get a little too passionate about stuff sometimes and we had we've, we've had another person that we've given i think three chances and the last time he he blew up at the entire community in a rant oh that wow. was of epic yeah. proportions so um, guy. <laughs> yeah, I to, mean, to be fair, we've only had to ban a handful of people. Over, yeah, I mean, to, over to, years, to, right? But to, what, to be to be to be fair, what we're getting but at when, is, sometimes sometimes when we've banned people, it's it's it's, <laughs> it's, it's, it's epic. <laughs> what, what we're getting at is that the people in this community definitely have room in their hearts for, at, at the very least, for more space games, um, because we never really have enough. And and we and, and we know there's going to be another death of the genre. These things go in cycles, and we know there's going to be another collapse, like there was in the early 2000s. And so we're going to need we're we're going to need every space game we can get during these oh god dur- during these meaty oh god, times Brian. during these busy you, times. I just huh? I just had the I just had the worst thought. Uh oh uh oh what what you want to share it? So you talk about the death of it. Right. Yeah, yeah, yeah. We're on life support. So just bear with me. Yeah. Bear, okay. bear with me for a yeah, second. Yeah, yeah. When did X Wing Alliance come out? Ninety nine. Uh, same year as Free Space Two. Ninety nine. They both came so out. So when? When did you? When? When do you think? When do you think the death of the genre was? Uh, around ninety nine, two thousand, pretty much. Around. I. Th- I think the. F- I think the fact that both that Free Space Two was a flop. Uh, Look, was I don't. I don't. I don't want to. 
We've we've been we've been in a really great cycle for quite a long time. I don't want to say oh, Star no. Wars Squadron oh, no. is coming out no. in October. Don't you fucking dare! But... No, no, three weeks. No, god damn it, you son of a bitch! Now this is all I'm going to think about. Oh no, 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 no! I, no, I don't. No, 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 no. It was a horrible thought. If Squadron comes out and bites it, it's on. <laughs> <laughs> like, it all collapses. No one's making space games right. anymore. Wait, the, I thought that guy was you, making a space game. Fate, no, we're making a farming game now. <laughs> the fate of the like, universe is in the hands of EA. <sighs> what, what was that? Uh, we're what doomed. A- I, said, I said the fate of the of the genre is uh, in the hands of EA. If they oh fuck God. this up, no. we're all dead. No. That's what happened in 2004. When I went to the publishers, I said, hey, what about this? They went, you know what? It takes... The only one I actually had respect that actually gave me the true scoop was THQ at the time. And they said that, hey, you know, uh, in the PC market, you have to spend $10 million. And in the space combat genre, we don't think that uh, we'd get that back at this time. Because at the time, Earth was Mortal Kombat. So trust me, when I tried to sell this idea way back in the wow. day wanted it and you know they're saying oh we'll get someone else to do it it's like well then do it you know that's why this thing isn't here what are they saying like the marketing budget needed to be 10 million no (laughs) it probably was the marketing budget honestly it certainly wasn't the development budget not back then oh there's a couple things i want to mention about rank war master that was kind of relevant oh one we do to eventually do vr believe it or not all the interface things actually have three coordinates so it's actually meant to kind of work in 3d space Um, that's going to be its own thing at the time. That's going to end up hopefully being a stretch goal. But one thing I actually wanted to mention was the game has internal AIs as helpers for the player. So if you just want to live in the RTS screen and never want to pilot anything, you can actually, you know, have a you know have a war master AI, have an admiral AI, have a mayor AI. So you don't want to sit there and maintain your city. You can make a mayor AI and say, hey, guess what? You're in charge of the city. Go build it. It will maintain it. So it gets blown up. It will replace it. That kind of thing. Uh, the Admiral, same thing. You know, say, hey, I don't like you know this city over here. I don't like this fleet. Go kill it. And if you don't know how to do anything tactical and you just want to be ordered around, you can go, okay, have a War Master AI, have an Admiral AI, just be a pilot. And the Admiral will go, hey, you know, we're going to go hit this thing. Here's your, here's your ship. Let's go get it. You know. And so that's actually what the enemy AI is doing. So at the very beginning of the game, if you watch who owns the builder bot, Initially, it's the War Master, but then there's messages go back and forth that you don't see, because obviously it's on the enemy side, and all of a sudden it's owned by this cyborg, whatever, and that's the enemy admiral. So all that's actually still going back and forth. The idea is that internally, the game does not know the difference between a human player and an AI player. And so as a player, you can slot yourself into any of these roles, including the War Master role, and so that's kind of how we play right now in multiplayer. So Jordan... He handles more of the War Master aspects of like okay, maintaining the city and doing the research and stuff like that. I end up doing a lot of the ship designs, and then everybody else ends up piloting them, just because that's kind of the way that one's working currently. But that's the idea: is that you know, if there's an aspect of the game that you can't don't want to deal with right now, or maybe you're more of a you know space combat guy, you never want to do RTS, so you never have to do the RTS. You can have any stuff that deals with fleet stuff. You can have an AI do it for you, and so. That's why I kind of wanted to bring up, and all that's already working. So, um, that's why I kind of wanted to mention about it. It's because no, it's that's... a little neat. 
No, we are we are here to help you sell your product. Uh, and so the more information you can give people who listen to this about your product, the better it'll sell. And that is all very relevant. So don't even don't even fret. I mean, that's as I love that kind of emergent stuff. So that sounds great. Uh, so, folks, the game is called Rank Warmaster. You can download a demo of it today as we record this on Game Jolt. But in two days as we record this, probably when the MP3 comes out, for those of you who are listening at home, um, the game is going to launch a crowdfunding campaign on Indiegogo, and we will definitely be sharing the links to that as we get them once the campaign starts, and we'll be sharing the news and whatnot. Um, Indiegogo, if you haven't kicked to it like you have with Kickstarter, is just as good a platform as Kickstarter. It's very... I mean... That, that DS9 documentary that we backed was on Indiegogo, um, yep. what we left behind. So uh, it's, it's Indiegogo has been more used for like movies and stuff, but you know there are a lot of game projects on there too. So if you hear Indiegogo and go, ah, just it's a it's a great platform, just as valid and and well used as Kickstarter. It's just Kickstarter seems to get more of the games than Indiegogo does. It seems um, less abused than Kickstarter. Well, that's how well we did Indiegogo because Kickstarter was so abused. Oh, really? Meaning, yeah. yeah. There have been a lot of, you know, problems with like uh, Kickstarter games not coming to fruition and that kind of thing. And so the marketing said that, hey, you know, we use more success rate on Indiegogo. It's like, okay, well, that's fine. Uh, just because people are kind of used to that kind of thing. That's why it was very important to get a demo out to show this, you know, as complicated as it is, it's already working. Um, we're actually, uh, we got recently approved on Steam, which is its own thing. Um, so the intent is somewhere along the line within the next month or so to get it up on Steam so that even one or the other with the Kickstarter, that it will still be available to the public so they can actually get the full version versus the, the Game Jolt version, which is a cut down version of it. Um, so that's kind of the idea. So there, there's more coming, and we're going to keep on adding to it. We're trying to go the direction that um, a lot of the early access games went, where we're talking about like Astroneers or Factorio or Seven Days to Die, or a lot of these other games where it's sort of like, okay, here's the core game. We're going to keep adding stuff to it, and we're going to keep on expanding it, you know, because we are a, a small group. Um, and so that's kind of the direction we're trying to go in, that we're, we're hoping to, you know, you see some of these games when they first came out, they were kind of scary, but they got much, much better over the years. We're trying to go the same route. That sounds like a much healthier way to approach early access than you see a lot of other games doing it. Um, so that's exciting. Um, so yeah. Sorry, go ahead. No, I'm saying I was just agreeing with you. I'm sorry. Oh, no, that's fine. Uh, yeah. One of the downsides of not using video is constant interruptions. Uh, so, <laughs> But we all agreed a long time ago that we don't want to put ourselves on video. It's it's not great. Uh, so <laughs> no one needs to see that. Um, so, folks, I want to thank you so much for uh, listening and watching. Again, the game is Rank War Master. You can download a demo of it today on Game Jolt. Uh, and keep an eye out for links to the uh, Indiegogo crowdfunding campaign once that comes out in a couple of days. Uh, next week on the show, we're going to have an early morning podcast because I think our guest is in Germany. Uh, we're going to talk to the developer of 
Hunter Net, which is an upcoming Star Wars. <laughs> That's my ringtone. Uh, someone was just calling. <laughs> How great was that? Um, so, no, next week on the show, we're doing an early morning podcast because our guest is in Germany. We're going to be talking to the developer of HunterNet, which is a multiplayer space fighter combat game inspired by Star Wars and Battlestar Galactica, which looks very exciting. We're going to be playing some of that this weekend to try it out. Can't wait for that. And uh, no stream tomorrow because I need sleep. I'm not feeling well, so I need some extra sleep. So no stream tomorrow. Uh, So, folks, thanks so much for hanging out. As always, a special thank you to those of us who support us via Patreon and Twitch. You guys especially are the best, and I love you. And with that, we will see you uh, back here on Thursday morning and uh, with the podcast next week. Have a great night, y'all. Bye-bye.